Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply don't just ride the index seek to outperform it with fidelity active etfs learn more at fidelity.com active etfs before investing in any exchange traded fund you should consider its investment objectives risks charges and expenses contact fidelity for a prospectus and offering circular or if available a summary prospectus containing this information read it carefully while active etfs offer the potential to outperform an index these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive etfs fidelity brokerage services llc member nyse sipc Oh, hey, it's the half a cookie you forgot you saved from lunch, Allie Ward, and we're here with a Smologies episode. If you don't know what Smologies is, Smologies are shorter, kid-friendly episodes that we have cut together and put out per parental requests for some cleaner versions that they can listen to with the whole fam. So these are for Smologites, for the small people in your life, or if you've just got to listen to something shorter with a wide audience who doesn't want to hear me swearing. Okay, this episode is great. I loved it. Let's get right into it. Molecular biology. So molecule comes from the Latin for mass or moles or extremely minute particle. And biology, of course, is the study of life. So molecular biology is the study of the little itty bitty squiggly intricate structures that keep us alive and breathing and fighting off illnesses and falling in love and digesting a pizza. So molecular biology is how molecules interact with each other to form life processes and how proteins do a lot of our dirty work. This ologist has been an assistant professor of biology and a STEM college coordinator for high school students, has worked in a private lab researching cancer cures, and has done a TEDx talk and been recognized by Fortune's 40 Under 40. Now, I have been a fan of hers for quite a while. So we hopped on a call to talk about what a molecular biologist does, the grossest parts of her lab work, protein folding, DNA strands, and more with science communicator and molecular biologist, Dr. Raven, the science maven, Baxter. Baxter, and my pronouns are she, her. You're not the only Raven Baxter that people maybe have heard of. <laughs> Such a good name. You know, I, I loved having it until the Disney Channel came in and just decided they were going to do, do their own thing. <laughs> I think a lot of people think of you as Raven the Science Maven. Like I, a lot of times I don't even think about you having a last name. I just think of you of as Raven the Science Maven. <laughs> Have you always been kind of science-minded? Absolutely. Quite often, I would find that I'd just get drawn to the natural environment and looking at the clouds or digging in the dirt, things that kids do, you know. But mm -hmm. I was very, I, I feel like I engaged in scientific inquiry from a very young age. When yeah. I went to college, I, I tried different majors out. And as I transitioned in my academic journey, found genetics. And 
was so thrilled to learn that our bodies are so cool that they speak their own language, which is the genetic code. And Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in this class like, oh my gosh, you know, none of my friends are in this class. They have to, they have to learn about this. This is so cool. Our bodies are speaking a language and, and like, we're the only ones that are taking a class on it. Right. So like, not only did (laughs) I think it was super cool, but I wanted to share that with, with everyone that I knew. Um, But I just went down that rabbit hole of genetics and molecular biology and I never came out. So the language is our DNA, the genetic code. And it is a sequence of nucleotides that contain instructions for proteins. Yes. And those proteins are doing the work inside of our cells to generate our life processes. So the way that I like to see it is just a scaled down version of how cities work where you have the mayor, you know, and he's at city hall and that's that's often like the central point of a city and the mayor has like his staff that he talks to and you know, he tells so and so to do this and then they go do that. So it tells another person to do another thing and they go do that job. And everything that happens out from city hall affects the entire city. And that's how I think about molecular biology. It's a super (laughs) simplified version of it. And where your DNA is the mayor and the mayor's staff is, are like proteins that are carrying out different functions. Oh, that's amazing. They look from what I've seen, kind of like gift wrap, right? Are there a lot of spirals happening? What are these proteins shaped like? (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. So proteins, proteins are really interesting. They have different shapes and sizes. They fold into these different shapes that determine their functions, but they don't start folded. Okay, let's back up a little. We can just start from the beginning, right? Um, We have our DNA, which is inside of our nucleus, and it's very neatly packaged in the nucleus, and it gets read by other proteins, right, inside of your nucleus into a different code called RNA, which is almost the same as DNA, but it uses a slightly different code. And then the RNA is read by proteins called polymerases. Mm -hmm. And the polymerases then translate the information from your RNA to create a protein. As the protein's being made, it's basically like a spaghetti noodle Mm -hmm. (laughs) as it comes out of this polymerase. And then as it's coming out, it folds into these different shapes. But the two basic shapes are um, beta sheets, which Mm -hmm. kind of look like a brick of ramen noodles (laughs) (laughs) or alpha helices, which are those curly pieces that look like, I don't know, rigatoni. I actually don't know. (laughs) Is rigatoni even the curly one? Oh no, it's fusilli. Fusilli. Yeah. Okay. You're right. (laughs) Okay. So then they're in those two different beta or alpha helix shapes. And then what do they do from there? From there, all all of these Shapes and structures are determined by the protein's amino acid composition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so depending on the composition of the protein itself, it'll fold and shape into different levels of protein folding. So there's primary structure, secondary structure, tertiary structure, and quaternary structure. 
And those different proteins, the complicated ones or the simpler ones, are they bouncing around in our bloodstream to to send messages or are they packaged to form different organelles and different organs? Like what happens to those curly folded, very specific proteins? I mean, they they do so many different things. Where do we even start? They get packaged in in the Golgi apparatus and shipped mm-hmm. out to different parts of the cells. One place where they can go is they can get packaged out in a vesicle, which is basically just a little, you can call it maybe like a little fat bubble, you know. The proteins can get packaged into vesicles and sent to the cell membrane where they can release proteins out into mm-hmm. um, the extracellular environment or present the proteins onto the cell surface. Okay, so right now, no matter what you're doing, there are tiny proteins cruising around your cytosol, which is the ooze that makes up the cytoplasm in your cells. And a Golgi apparatus is sorting some of them and just popping them into fat envelopes. And you just have no idea how hard they're working in trillions of tiny factories, just attaching labels to things and passing chemical notes back and forth like two teenage lovers in an after-school detention. So cells use molecules to communicate. For example, there are certain cell pathways that cause cancer, or there's certain cell pathways that we can study to resp- to um, understand like cellular responses to immunity, or things like that. Mm-hmm. And now you have worked in cancer research. You've worked around big vats of E. coli. You have done like some really awesome work. What was it like studying this, getting your master's and then studying this on on a corporate level? What types of things were you looking at? How does a molecular biologist do their work? Do you need like the most gargantuan microscopes to look at these curly Q proteins? How do you do it? You do. (laughs) Really? Okay. The kind of work that I was doing looked a lot different almost on a weekly basis or monthly basis. I was doing cell transfections, which is a fancy word for running experiments to insert DNA in, into cells. Or I was doing CRISPR projects. Or I was trying to generate a new cell line that expresses a particular protein that we're interested in. Or isolating DNA from bacteria by the gallons, which is why I had to make, you know, basically gallons of poop, like you just said, because <laughs> I was using E. coli as an expression host for the DNA and had to get the DNA out of them. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting. You know, I was working with different types of cell lines, breast cancer cell lines, skin cancer cell lines, and even neuronal cell lines, which is really cool. Um, I did some work on trying to understand or find the best drugs to treat Parkinson's disease or brain diseases like Alzheimer's as well. Mm -hmm. And that involves some really interesting and fun work using neuronal cells. Neuronal cells, side note, are types of neurons in the brain. And now when we think of a neuron, you might picture like 
a kind of hand at the end of a long arm that has a bulbous other end. Or maybe it looks like a tree, hence the word dendrite from its root tree. But some research estimates there may be up to a thousand different types of the cells in our nervous system, depending on their structure and function or location. So, okay, what my point is our brains don't know everything about our brains. And studying our brains with our brains requires machines devised by our brains to study themselves, which is creepy and also not cheap. The equipment that we use can is often ex- very expensive. I had the pleasure of working with a super cool machine called the um, Perkin Elmer Opera, I think it's called. Introducing the Opera Phoenix High Content Screening System from Perkin Elmer for the speed and sensitivity you need. No compromise. It was super cool because it's a high content screening system. So we were able to test hundreds and thousands of drug compounds on different cell lines to find out, you know, what drugs work the best against a certain type of of cancer. And then we would formulate the drug. And so you're just like low-key curing cancer when you go into work. That's how it gets done, right? Yeah, that's the very beginning part of it. Like when when you talk about clinical trials, that's where it starts with the molecular biologists trying to find what drugs you should even be looking at in the first place. Mm -hmm. I have so many questions from patrons. Can I just lob some at you? Woo! Yes. (laughs) Okay. But before we pepper her with curiosities, we will, of course, donate to a cause of the ologist choosing. And Raven said she didn't have a preference. She just liked the money to go to whomever needs it. And as it happened, our mutual buddy Hank Green's Project for Awesome happened to be at the final couple of seconds as they reached the $2 million mark. So we made a donation in Raven's name. Project for Awesome is a project of the Foundation to Decrease World Suck. And you can learn more about them at projectforawesome.com. And that donation was made possible by sponsors of the show, whom I shall now yammer about very briefly. Ologies with Allie Ward is sponsored by Squarespace, and Squarespace has been part of my daily life for the last seven and a half years. Ologies might not exist without Squarespace. I had to make a website for this, and I was so intimidated. It took me over a year, and then one night I was like, you know what? I've heard about Squarespace. I'm going to try it, and now look at us. If you don't think you need a website, guess what? You probably do, especially if you're an academic. Have some place where all your papers are. People can contact you. Anyway, they have so many tools for entrepreneurs. They have Fluid Engine, which is this kind of next generation website design system. It's from Squarespace. It's drag and drop technology. You can use it on desktop or mobile. They also have an asset library so you can manage all of your files from this central hub and then you can use them across the whole platform. They have professional website templates. They have designs for every category, every use case, no matter what you need a website for. Get a website, start your business. Look, it worked for me. Ding. So head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash ologies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You could do it. You could do it. KiwiCo. You know I love KiwiCo because making stuff and learning while you do it, the best way. And KiwiCo is great. They deliver seriously fun learning for kids of all ages. They have these hands-on projects and activities. And each month, kids receive crates that are engaging and that introduce them to things like science and technology or concepts and art. And I love that all the things you need are in there. So you're not going to be running out to the store to get pipe cleaners. You're not going to run out of glue or something. And KiwiCo tests these crates with professionals and with kids to make 
make them the best they can be. There's so many different projects depending on what your kiddo's interested in, what age or grade level they're at. You can discover the science of magic. You can engineer a domino machine. These make great gifts. I have given these to so many kids. And I also like that there's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel crates anytime. So redefine learning with play. You can explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month on any crate line at kiwico.com with the promo code ologies. So that's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com, promo code ologies. They're going to love it. Okay, you had questions for Raven. A lot of folks had questions, including um, Brandon Butler and Ashley Emanuel. Um, is the mitochondria actually the powerhouse of the cell? What is the mitochondria doing? <laughs> ah, so, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it definitely is the mitochondria of eu- eukaryotic cells, meaning n- not bacteria, basically. And what mitochondria do is they break down sugars and turn them into energy. <laughs> it's almost like something that breaks down gasoline in our car. Honestly, yeah, that's uh, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I looked this up and wouldn't you know it, molecular biology happens to be a little bit more complicated than a Honda Civic engine. But still, mitochondria do sort of burn our food fuel and produce a source of energy. This whole process is called oxidative phosphorylation, and it does require oxygen, just like a combustion engine. Also, there can be a bunch of mitochondria shoved into one cell. Your hardworking heart muscles right now are really jam-packed with mitochondria. So yes, Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. It is useful information to know if you're into breathing and being alive and stuff. Now, as long as we are gossiping about spiral structures, let's get into the heroic helix, shall we? Kiana Spinelli asks, I was told several times when I was younger that there were six plus feet of a DNA strand in just one cell. Is this true or is that flim flam? Oh my gosh. So I don't know the exact answer to this, but I would not be surprised because DNA is is super coiled inside of your nucleus. I mean, it's it doesn't just hang out in there like spaghetti. It's wrapped around itself. It's wrapped around things called histones and it's very tightly and neatly packaged inside of your nucleus. So I wouldn't be surprised if you stretched it all out that it did that it did end up being six feet or six and a half feet. Okay, I was so curious. I had to double check this. And geneticist Dr. Barry Starr does confirm that it's about six feet or two meters of DNA strands inside each cell. And then he calculated that each human being has around 10 billion miles of DNA in them, meaning that your DNA, your DNA right now, just as you're sitting here eating pirate's booty or whatever, your DNA could stretch to the sun and back. 61 times. What? You beautiful freak. You just living, pooping work of magic. All of us. Um, a few people asked um, about motor proteins. Penny wants to know, can you tell us about motor proteins? How the heck do they work? They carry cargo, basically, the cargo that are containing molecules, proteins, whatever. It could be anything. It could be they could be carrying organelles. They can carry different structures within the cell. 
they can move chromosomes. They're just, they're working hard, okay? <laughs> they're working hard. And they move in particular ways. Think of this as a highway, and one end of the highway is a negative side, and the other side is positive. Dining walks towards the negative end, mm-hmm. and they're carrying their cargo from the peripheral side of the cell to the center of the cell. And then Kinesin is like Dianine's sister and <laughs> they are walking in the opposite direction. So they, they're walking towards the positive side and they carry their cargo from the center of the cell to the periphery of the cell. So in order to move their little feet, they use ATP. Mm-hmm which is the energy currency of the cell, which comes from the mitochondria. So now we've come full circle back to the mitochondria. They're going so fast. (laughs) Um, John Sanson has a question about where did DNA even come from? Like how did random bits of atoms and molecules know to build themselves into proteins and then assemble into DNA strands, which now tell other things to build other DNA strands? This is something that I think about too much <laughs> and it freaks me out. So, <laughs> My brain is melting. But it's the great, that's, that's, a, that's a question about the origin of life mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. all living organisms on earth use DNA to generate their life process. And we don't necessarily know exactly how this all started. And this will be a question that we're, we are likely trying to answer for many, many years to come. But I love thinking about it because of all the possibilities. So for years, the hypothesis has been that DNA started with the simpler single-strand RNA. But in the past decade or so, other scientists are just begging to differ and say that DNA, which kind of has a trickier sugar molecule as well as that double helix shape, could have arisen at the same time. It's even possible that a hybrid RNA-DNA molecule first arose and then split off into two forms. Who's to know? If you have a time machine, let us know. Now, one thing we are sure about is that these replicated codes have been encased in cellular goo and structures for billions of years. Billions with a B. Okay, a few people, Katrina Nugent, uh, Adele Maison Vierve, en français, Davis Bourne asked epigenetics, what's going on? How does it change DNA expression and pass it on to the next generation? Uh, Katrina asked, will my children have my same weird quirks and habits? This is really interesting and something that I wish I had spent more time on when I was on my genetics kick. But Epigenetics, it's a part of molecular bio that's looking at heredity, but not heredity that's caused by actual alterations in DNA itself, right? The Mm -hmm. DNA has a code and that set of code, again, codes for proteins and protein products. But epigenetics, it's like they are changes on on the DNA, like literally on it. But it's really cool. It's a different way of looking at heredity. 
So for a very, very quick primer on epigenetics, your DNA is a big old long code, kind of like a recipe or an ingredients list. And that double helix is like a big old long scroll, just meters of it, right, in each cell. So how does a cell with all the instructions for all the other cells know to be a heart cell or grow me one bristly mustache hair or line my guts? So certain genes are turned on or off by signals or even proteins according to the function of the cell. But the proteins can also turn on and off other expressions of the cell in response to environmental factors and then replicate from there. And that is called your epigenome. Now, speaking of hearts, many patrons wanted to know what was closest to ravens. And Katie, Matt Cicado, Earl of Gramelkin, Kathleen Sachs, Ira Gray, and Ashley Emanuel all had favorite questions, essentially favorite type of cell or protein or organelle or nitrogenous base, just normal questions you'd ask really any celeb. George Powell wants to know, um, what's your favorite protein? Oh, you know what? That's a really good question. I personally am fascinated by how people name proteins. There is a protein called the Pokemon protein. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, there's a protein called Sonic Hedgehog, which is actually no. a critical gene involved in human development. And um, there's a Nemo one. There's a Ken and Barbie protein. There's scrambolase, which is an enzyme that scrambles phospholipids between the inside and the outside of a cell membrane. Mm -hmm. There's Pikachu-Rin protein. There's Spock-1 that's in zebrafish. And Mm -hmm. it causes the fish to develop like pointy ears like Spock. No. Yeah. I mean, Earl of Gramelkin asked, do you have a favorite protein or protein name? And I had no idea why they asked about the name. Who gets to name these? The scientists that discover them get to name them. Oh, my gosh. A lot of animation fans, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these, these are, they're really funny. And what about the thing you love the most about what you do? I truly love building community. and. I think that because I am who I am, I tend to build communities that are very diverse because I show a lot of different sides of myself that I feel like people from different walks of life and different backgrounds can relate to. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I try to be very transparent about who I am and what I'm interested in and what I'm passionate about so that people who even aren't in science can can latch on to something about about a scientist that they see and maybe maybe be more willing to listen and learn about science because they do relate. And I also love bringing these communities together in conversations about important things and watching people in my community learn from each other and teach each other. That's mm-hmm. that's probably the best thing that I that I enjoy about what I do. So ask 
smart mavens, very simple, shameless questions because you only live once and maybe your molecules may get rebuilt and refolded into proteins and become a frog. But why not learn while you're a person? So to follow or see Raven's videos or TED Talk, you can head to her website, scimaven.com or find her on Instagram at Raven the Science Maven or on Twitter at Raven Maven. Those links plus links to her YouTube and her videos will be up also at alleyward.com slash ologies slash molecular biology. You can follow me if you like on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Allie Ward with one L on both. We're also at ologies on Twitter and Instagram. Also linked is alleyward.com slash smologies, which has dozens more kids safe and shorter episodes that you can blaze through. And thank you, Mercedes Maitland of Maitland Audio and Jared Sleeper of Mind Jam Media for editing those as well as Zeke Rodriguez Thomas. And since we like to keep things small around here, the rest of the credits are in the show notes. And at the end of the episode, I give you a piece of advice. And this piece of advice is if you're not sure what to read, ask your friends or ask your parents or elders what books they liked reading. There are books that I never would have picked up unless I had asked, hey, you guys like any books lately? And then I got really great recommendations for books that I ended up loving. So sometimes you'll get out of your comfort zone a little bit and you'll read something and learn something that you never knew that you liked. So yeah, ask for opinions from other people. You don't have to take all of the opinions, but sometimes it's nice to jump into someone else's head and see what they like reading. Okay, until next time, Smologites, bye-bye. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear Exclusive Color Arrowhead Lake. Or a splash of Amazon Jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with Sea Glass. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with durable colors that last all season with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.